Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Welcome back to another edition of the Game Plan Podcast, 1029thegame.com. Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Judah Newby. Seahawks taking on the Atlanta Falcons on Monday Night Football. I think we've already hit week 11 in the NFL now, Perkins. We are well beyond the halfway point of the season in the uh, National Football League. The Seahawks coming off a Thursday Night Football win over the Arizona Cardinals last week. And uh, now they are home to the Atlanta Falcons then road to the San Francisco 49ers after that, and then it's on to December. Pretty exciting time of year, except there's plenty of things to worry about for the Seahawks right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, week 11, right? Injuries tend to pile up for all teams, but it seems especially relevant right now for Seattle, given who is injured on this roster. Yeah, injuries all over the place. One, you got Cam Chancellor, who got hurt in the Arizona game. You got Richard Sherman, who got hurt in the Arizona game and is out for the year. Dwayne Brown got nicked up. Luke Jokel continues to miss time. Jaron Reed went out with a hamstring injury. First of all, this Thursday night football conversation has been going on well past, you know, recent comments from from Richard Sherman. In fact, it was this time last year that he wrote an article on the Players' Tribune about how much he hated playing on Thursday night football because it gets these players exposed to a whole, you know, variety of physical ailments and especially in Sherman's case where from the sounds of it Perkins he was already you know worried about the situation with his heel that it could go anytime his Achilles and playing on a short week on the road certainly didn't help his chances for getting through an entire game healthy it sure seemed like it was a matter of time between you know him playing healthy and then eventually his Achilles heel giving giving way and it just so happened that Thursday it was that it was that time and now he's out for the season that's tough man I mean that's that was a pretty brutal brutal blow we'll we'll of course see how it affects the team on the field and how we've seen how the team looks without Earl we've seen how it looks without Cam we've never seen ever how it looks without Sherm he has not missed a game since he was drafted in 2011 well what's exciting is not only do we get to see that but likely on Monday get to see what it looks like without Earl or excuse me, without Sherman and Cam. That is exciting. I mean, that's a great one-two punch to be missing. Um, And then you have Earl Thomas coming back from injury in his first game back. So, uh, yeah, he didn't blame Thursday Night Football for what it's worth after the game. He said it was going to happen. It was inevitable, like you said. So, you know, I don't know if, how much the Thursday had to do with it. I don't know, because he said... I'm blaming Thursday night. No, I'm just kidding. Well, but I mean, still, I mean Thursday night sucks. football is brutal for these guys. And you saw, I mean, even Arizona, I think, lost three players for the year yeah. in that game. They were all important. Not that, I mean, Arizona's pretty much... The discussion doesn't happen as much because they don't have as many name brand NFL guys. And they're not very good as a team because of all the injuries they've had. But... Man, you look at the NFL this year and the star power that has gone down. J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers, Odell Beckham, now Richard Sherman. Um, I mean, there's I'm probably forgetting like a handful of other guys that have gone down for the year that are big names. I mean, you know, you want to talk about one problem with the league. Let's start there. Yeah. The fact that your your biggest stars go down with injury and Richard Sherman's just uh, the next in line from that category. And uh, I guess all you can do is just hope that he's able to recover because, you know, Achilles injuries um, – oftentimes affect players permanently with their careers, and he's not a spring chicken by any means. 
Sherm has led the league in interceptions since he arrived on the scene in 2011. He had two interceptions this year. Uh, both of them were against Houston, if I do remember correctly, and uh, finishes the season with 35 combined tackles, 10 assisted, 25 solo. Um, and he was also great support in, in run defense as well, never afraid to get his nose into a into a backfield and, and just a really solid tackler. That's a big – I think that's a, a really big underrated factor here that's something we could see be an issue. I'm not sure against the Falcons necessarily because they have their own running back problems right now with Freeman being injured, right? He has a concussion, doesn't look like he'll play. But, man, you want to talk about a guy that not only was blanket in coverage but – was really, really good. That was something he strove to improve. Remember, after the kind of the 2013 season, he was like, I really want to improve this part of my game. And he, boy, did he. And I just don't know if you're going to see um, someone else come in and, and be able to have an impact like like Sherman did in that facet of the game. And we often saw teams, especially in years past, completely ignore the receiver that Sherman was on or the side of the field that Sherman was on because of his ability to cover. We've seen quarterbacks since then go after him in spots here and there, but overall, he's still one of the greatest cover corners in the game. And, you know, he generally makes, unless it's a perfect throw and a perfect route, he'll make you pay for going in his direction. So for the Seahawks secondary, what an amazing narrative it's been this year with Jeremy Lane being traded to Houston, having the trade rescinded because Lane fails the physical, having him come back to Seattle because of that in exchange for another third round draft pick. But, for 2017, it bolsters the depth in the secondary at a much-needed time. And on top of that, Byron Maxwell gets cut by the Miami Dolphins, a name that we saw in Seattle ever since he was drafted. And he really rose up the ranks in his last couple of years in Seattle and was starting opposite Richard Sherman, got the huge money deal in Philadelphia, completely didn't live up to expectations, went down to Miami after being cut by Chip Kelly. Miami now cuts him. He only started two games. Eight tackles, one forced fumble, no passes defended this season, no interceptions. Um, but he is at least familiar with the scheme, the culture, the locker room, and now you're looking at a cornerback situation with Shaq Griffin, a rookie, with Justin Coleman, a first-year player that has been tough going for him at times in the slot, but is at, at least seasoned and has had moments, and two guys that have... For one uh, moment or another, left the Seahawk program and are now back with it again, and are at least very familiar with the scheme in both uh, Jeremy Lane and Byron Maxwell. What I mean is, yes, it sucks to lose Sherman, but there are worse places to be than the Seahawks currently find themselves in when it comes to depth at the cornerback position. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get where you're coming from. It's still, I mean, this to me feels almost like a fatal blow with Richard Sherman going down. Um, I. We'll have to see. I, I have no I have no idea, no pulse on what Byron Maxwell is going to be like because he's done virtually nothing of note since he's left Seattle. So I have no idea what that's going to look like. You know, Jeremy Lane has been inconsistent at best, it feels like, since his injury in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Um, you know, and now he's going to be, you know, asked to do a lot more. And then, of course, Griffin. Boy, you talk about a guy that's had trial by fire his rookie season. I mean, you're playing opposite Richard Sherman. You are covering some of the best wide receivers in the game because that's what, you know, strategically teams will move guys to that side of the field. And now you're pretty much asked to be, I would argue, the number one guy at the cornerback position um, just based on, um, you know, maybe a talent level and, and things like that. So, you know, no Cam Chancellor at, at safety this game as well. I, I Maybe I'm just, I don't feel but, as confident as you do. Let's put it that rest way. rest of the season, 
and the addition of Deshaun Shedd. Assuming Shedd comes back healthy um, at some point. Shedd Lane, Maxwell, Griffin, Coleman. There's worse combos to have. Definitely. I still think that's that's probably a top half of the league cornerback combination. But you need Chancellor and Thomas to stay yeah. healthy. You need, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's no more wiggle room from that standpoint. You need both of those guys to be able to play games the rest of this season. All right. So or you have no chance. Cam Chancellor, speaking of chance, suffers the stinger. He is uh, likely out for the matchup with the Atlanta Falcons and um, looks like there's a chance that he couldn't be missing extended time after this. This is kind of a scary situation. Anything yeah. neck injury related will certainly raise eyebrows. Reminiscent of Cliff Averill. Yeah. That's and that's really scary to think about. Richard Sherman um, says that quote: "Cam's hanging in there, man. He he's keeping his head up. He's just trying to figure it out right now." Unquote. Which is leaves you like, wow, that's a lot of. That sounds like he's not even close. Yeah, that sounds like he's not close, man. That, that sounds like he. There's a lot going on there. Can we stop calling him stingers? Like it's a stinger sounds like something inconsequential, <laughs> and that's weird because <laughs> I, I guess I could see that. Uh, stinger to me sounds like I always I always shiver when I hear stinger. See, I always think like immediate pain, but quick recovery, like something that's not a, a long term. Yeah, right, like right, like oh, yeah. he's got a stinger. He'll be. It back. is a neck injury. Yeah, and you're right. It just sounds. I don't know. For some reason, that term to me has never sounded as bad as it typically turns out to be. I understand. Yeah. I mean that that Thursday night game. I mean, you heard Pete Carroll say it after the game in his post game interview. Hard to feel good about a, uh, this win. Because of the guys they lost, yeah. and that's exactly how how you feel. It was a must win situation on the road. You're undefeated. This this Seahawks team is undefeated in their division. They're in prime position to you know make a playoff run. Yet, it's hard to even feel overly positive just right now until they probably play again and we see what these guys look like together for sure because of all the injuries. Yeah, with Cam Chancellor being in doubt, I mean, if he can't play the rest of the year. To me, that's curtains. Like, the season, I mean, I don't know how you overcome that. You're going to ask the offense to do things 2015, second half of 2015-esque, every single game. Yeah, if you were going to tell me that Seattle is 6-3 and right now, five spot for the NFC currently, but they have to go the rest of the year without Richard Sherman or Cam Chancellor, both of them, I'd say they missed the playoffs. Yeah. It'd be hard to imagine a scenario otherwise. So I, I definitely think you need Cam back in order to uh, to have a chance at, at going to the playoffs and doing any damage for sure. Now, Bradley McDougald, we talk, talk about secondary depth. That's better than what they had last year when yeah. either Thomas or Cam went out. And Bradley McDougald has been getting trained at both the strong and free safety positions. He's filled in for Earl, both the uh, games that Earl missed at free safety, and now he's going to fill in for Cam at strong safety. So, you know, maybe John Schneider's move this offseason to pick up Bradley McDougal from Tampa Bay might pay off in this regard. You know, you've got a serviceable backup at that position now. It's obviously we know the guys in the Legion of Boom are dynamic, game-changing players. But their absences last year were notable because of the lack of depth behind them. At least they were more pronounced by, by the lack of depth behind them. At least now, yeah, you'll notice them gone. Well, you have a more serviceable guy there in McDougal. That there has to be something said for that. Yeah, d- without a doubt. And I think the problem is, is that was a, a great move by Schneider to bring him in, right, and, and to bolster that depth. Yeah. But when you combine, okay, so now you have your backup safety in, you have your backup corner in, and now the guy that was playing on the other side of the field has to go over here, and all of a sudden your depth is completely compromised, not just at one position, but at multiple in the secondary. That's when things really start to add up, right? That's the problem. It's not just oh, Cam Chancellor's out maybe for a month. 
and they'll figure it out. It's like, oh, you have to replace two of your best defensive players. Then that's that's it, that are rough that are playing in that secondary. That's when things I think really start to just snowball on top of each other, and that's when you you start to worry about the long term effects. And it's not just in the secondary. We know Michael Wilhoy has uh, been missing practice at the linebacker position. We'll see how Seattle wants to go about Michael uh, Bennett dealing with that. Michael Bennett has been sitting out with that heel injury. He's been injured so, pretty much all year. Yeah, yeah. And on the interior of the defensive line. Now you've got the injury to Jaron Reed that he suffered early in the game against Arizona, hamstring, and he's been one of the more dynamic players on the D-line all season long. Mostly thought of as a run stuffer, but he's been very effective in the pass rush as well, and not having him will mean that Nazir Jones, Quentin Richardson, and of course Sheldon Richardson, will uh, they need to step up and make big impacts. Before the season, this was considered the best defensive line in football. Cliff Averill out, considering retirement the injury so bad. Richardson has been good, but you know he's been injured a little bit. Now you have Reed out. You have Michael Bennett suffering from the uh, from the heel injury. That's really, I mean, you can tell he's a different player this year. It, it looks like to me, at least, watching him out there. I mean, th- how things change, you know, just and based I, on injuries. And I mentioned this to you earlier, but we can't forget that they don't have Malik McDowell. Yeah, and how much of an asset he would be at this time. Um, interior pass rush. It might be the most valuable thing in the NFL these days. The difference between a quarterback facing pressure at his face is even is way tougher than pressure off the edge and pressure in general. I mean, you've got to have interior push to uh, have a good pass rush, and Malik McDowell, in my opinion, would have been that. Um, and so, you know, you just have to factor that into the injury injury uh, conversation with the Seattle Seahawks right now. So where does what are the expectations with Chris Richard in the defensive unit now as they go up against Atlanta? Well, here's the thing about the Falcons. I guess your silver lining is this is not uh, your 2017, excuse me, 2016 uh, Atlanta Falcons offense, right? This is not a team with uh, the guru at offensive coordinator anymore. Um, you have a guy, uh, it, that a team that's really trying to learn things, and then Freeman has, I don't think he's going to play. He's doubtful. I think listed as doubtful with the concussion issue. The only reason I know that he's on my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> and I, I guess there's your silver lining with Seattle is that, you know, you're missing one of their biggest weapons. But, you know, Julio Jones, you know, still going to be there. I know he hasn't been utilized a ton or as much as people have expected him to be. But how much are they going to try to take advantage of this banged up Seahawks secondary? I mean, it's still Matt Ryan. It's still Julio Jones. You still have weapons offensively. I mean, I don't know what expectations are, but I, I definitely think this is not your defensive years past anymore because of these injuries. Well, it was a great matchup in the regular season last year when they played. I think it was week six, 26-24 Seahawks win. Road game. A lot of tight end success for the Falcons out in that game. I remember Hooper really? and Toy Lolo <laughs> had just, well, yeah, obviously, but um, I had to go back and watch that game on tape because I was driving during the time, and I couldn't, I couldn't imagine how many times the tight ends were getting free. Of course, Earl did not play in that game, or was it Cam? Um, one I of the think, safeties I don't think Earl was out game. yet. Yeah, for that game, I think Cam missed that game. Sherman was going nuts on the sideline. Um, uh, and Atlanta did a lot of really, really good things on offense. Now Atlanta, right now, they're struggling. They're eleventh in offensive DVOA, which I say they're struggling, but in weighted DVOA, they're tenth in offense. Um, they're moving the ball really well. 
they are having a really tough time in the red zone. That's been a lot of the problems under Steve Sarkeesian. And without DeFonte Freeman, we'll see what that means for their offense going forward. They still obviously have a talented back in Tevin Coleman. And I still think Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. I think he's yeah. probably a top 10 quarterback in terms of talent, but we can't understate how much the marriage between Ryan and Shanahan maximized Ryan's abilities. And having Shanahan leave, I definitely think that's where the conversation starts with the Atlanta offense. It seems obvious, but to me, it's re- reality. And Sark just doesn't have the same capabilities. We forget Sark's never called plays in the NFL. It's showing. And and, and it is showing. Um, But it sure helps to have the talent on the outside that they do. Um, And we'll see what uh, kind of game plan they come up with. Seattle offensively banged up on the offensive line. What else is new? Of course, uh, Dwayne Brown, the latest uh, in that conversation. He's got an ankle injury. He's been banged up. He's going to be a game-time decision. I believe Luke Jokel also going to be a game-time decision with his knee. Is that right, Perkins? Yes, it sounds like it's going to go. They keep saying that they're both kind of going to go all the way to the end here to see. which. So there's a chance they both play. Yeah, and there's a chance they both don't play. Okay. I mean, that's kind of the scary thing about this. And to me, like, when you hear coach speak, right, because there's always coach speak, the way that the coaches say certain things to me indicate a lot of things, and it doesn't sound good for either of them, in my opinion. It, yeah. it, they're more positive on Jokel just because he's been out for so long, but I still don't know. I mean, that's a pretty quick, we're right on the, you know, given the surgery timeline, like right at the like minimum timeout to come back in. So that would be pretty impressive for him to come back. And then Brown, you know, sprained ankles, nothing to play with to quote, uh, you know, Drake from forever. Cause yes. I, I only quote topical um, rap songs from a decade ago, but you know, you add the fact that you have a 300-pound body that's trying to put weight on it. You know, you see linemen struggle a lot of times with leg injuries more than other players because of that fact. And, you know, 11 days off is great and all, but, I mean, even if he comes back, he's not going to be 100%. And he's going against Adrian Claiborne, who is not a really great player. He's just not. He's a fine player. But but he had 100 sacks last week. He had 120 sacks last week, I think. <laughs> um, Adrian Claiborne had uh, six solo sacks, incredible, against uh, the Cowboys and their backup left tackle, Chaz Green. So Matt Tobin would be technically the fourth, fourth. option starting at left tackle, and he's been getting the reps at that position. How worried would you be about a Tobin-Claiborne uh, matchup? I mean, very. Like of, I, everyone's like, "Well, he's he's not that good." He he capitalized because they were playing against a bad left tackle. Okay, well, well like what, that's the Tobin? same situation yeah. here. Um, so yeah, I don't Seahawks feel good about it at all. Chip on Claiborne, unlike what the Cowboys did, leaving him on an island with Green all the time. Yeah, and then that affects your passing game potentially having to do that now. So yep. I mean, th- that's the problem. Once again, it's like the defense. There are so many little ripples in the pond that affect everything based on this injury. And, yeah, it's a huge concern. I mean, the offensive line is already a concern, you know, and you think you shore things up with Brown, and now he's potentially out, and he'll probably be, what, maybe 75% if he plays? I mean, it's just, it's frustrating because, you know, Wilson's playing really well right now, um, but I I just don't know, you know, and then you hear the team talk about they're going to run the heck out of the football this week, they're not abandoning the run game. Oh, that's going to look great with your fourth-string tackle uh, in the game. Yeah, Atlanta, that's look great. Atlanta is uh, 23rd in defensive DVOA, 28th in DVOA against the run. 
So Seattle averaged 2.2 yards a carry instead of 2.0. That'll be good. It is certainly weakness on weakness, but is there a chance they put it together Monday night? And I always go back to the fact that they didn't run the ball very well last year, and they put it together against Detroit. So you feel good about it? No, I just oh, okay. say it could happen. This well, is sure a lot of. Is, I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's impossible. And look, all you need is just one or two games where the run game is good, just to let the defense honor it, and then maybe you hit your stride again, right? Yeah, it feels it, like it the defense is much. already honoring the run game. I mean. We've seen the play action work every game. And you're yeah, like, I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> look, and there's various reasons why play action would work. It's not all just because the defense thinks, oh, they must be running the football. I think rhythm to the offense is better. You know, I just even quarterback getting, getting in rhythm, faking the hand getting off on and, the run. You yeah. know, there's just there's a lot more reasons than just linebackers and safeties biting or not biting, um, which I don't think they are much. But, you know, it is what it is. But I, I do. I don't know what to think about the Seattle run game other than the fact that I don't like it and just don't have any expectations for it. I have zero expectations for yeah. the run game. It's garbage zero. supreme. When a guy gets like five yards, I'm legit impressed. Yeah. Like when Rawls runs for, like I think he had a nine-yard run last week. I'm like, and I was like, whoa. That's a hell of a run. <laughs> whoa, yeah. nine yards? Like that, I mean, it's it's just incredible how far we've come because the expectation is essentially if you don't get hit at the line of scrimmage and you gain like three yards, that's considered success for Seattle, and that's frustrating. Um. A lot has been put on Russell Wilson because of that, and you cited this stat off the air a moment ago, but go ahead and read that. What, what were you saying about Russell Wilson and his really historic pace of offense? Yeah, he's accounted for um, 82% of Seattle's offense this season. In terms of total yardage. Total yardage from scrimmage. So he's accounted for 82.1% of their scrimmage yards, and this is according to NFL Research, by the way, which is the highest such percentage by any player in any season in the Super Bowl era. He's the real MVP. I mean, unless they win more games, he'll never be considered for it. But, you know, and, and by the way, that's incredible considering the start to the year mm-hmm. that he had a quarterback and how poorly he was playing, especially in the first half of games. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know what more you can say about him at this point, how well he's played given the obstacles that he and that offense has had to overcome. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah, he's having probably his best year. I mean, that's where the that's what the run game. I mean, if we're talking run game, that's the only success they found is running Russell Wilson. So maybe that's what Pete Carroll meant by running the heck out of the ball. We'll Read see. option. <laughs> running the heck out of the ball because they're going to pass fifty five times and Russell will run on fifteen of them. Yeah. Um, amazing. There's kind of a sense that Chris Carson has a chance to get back. Yeah, I saw that by potentially late December, maybe get back on the field. That would be surprising. CJ Prosize goes to IR. Did he play in the game? RIP. He did. Did he play? I don't remember seeing him. He did. Yeah, he got rolled up on. So it was like legit, like there was something. I mean, I'm not saying he's faking injury, but. No, no. He's certainly brittle. He's brittle, but he is out for the year. Um, Pete Carroll has called it, I think, like uncanny how many times he's gotten injured. Not almost a more sympathetic tone than a uh, oh yeah incredulous tone like a like a frustrated tone or something like sure that. yeah um so Mike Davis has been brought up to the fifty three man Mike Davis had some nice runs in preseason so we'll see what that means also so Matt Tobin will be getting a, a look at left tackle Ethan Posick though has been playing well enough that Tom Cable has said even if Luke Jokel does come back Posick will get looks at other positions on the offensive line. I would think right guard would be an opportunity with maybe a Bushi or, uh, you know, I think Posick would probably fit in well there. Glowinski too, but I yeah. like Posick. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Posick is the guy, and I mean, look, I think a lot of it just comes down. We we just don't we won't know much until Monday. All right, let's quickly run through these uh, run through these games. Um, I don't know where we stand in the standings, but I'll I'll get a look at that. I this think week. I'm winning by about sixty five or yeah, 70. it's like sixty four. I think okay. Lions Bears in Chicago, Detroit coming off a win at home over Cleveland. Bears coming off a tough loss to the fighting Brett Hundleys. Three and six Bears hosting the five and four Lions. Lions a three point road favorite at Soldier Field. They win and cover Detroit. Yeah, I will go with uh, Chicago to spring the upset. Jack, up. <laughs> Jack, Jags Browns in Cleveland. Jags, seven-and-a-half-point road favorites at the winless Browns. I'll take Jayville. Yeah, yeah. Jacksonville. Ravens-Packers in Green Bay. Four-and-five Ravens. Five-and-four Packers. Baltimore, a two-point road favorite in Lambeau. Justin Tucker for the win. Yeah, I think the Ravens win. I don't get, you know, the Packers won last week against Chicago, and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're really going to tide the storm here and make the playoffs. And I'm like, what is going on here? No, like, they're not. They won one game against a bad team. Not in the NFC. Can we calm down not. a little bit? Yeah. Jeez. Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. Yep. Bucks, Dolphins, and Miami. This is the week one game that was postponed for uh, Hurricane Irma. Uh, give me the, uh, you know what? Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird one. Miami's favored by a point. <laughs> I say Miami wins by a point. How about that? There we go. Rams, Vikings, and Minnesota. This is a game that I really want to watch. Rams killing it. 7-2, and 4-0 on the road this year. Jared Goff spinning it under Sean McVay. They've got offensive weapons for sure, while the Vikings have a great defense that has just been so fun to watch. The Vikings are also 7-2. And Case Keenum has been the best pocket passer in football, according to some stats. Um, Two-point home favorite, Minnesota. And that's where the Super Bowl is going to be this year. And as a Seahawks fan, who do you root for in this game? I think you root for uh, Minnesota. Yeah? I think so. Because you still hold your own fate in your hands against against, uh, the Rams. With Minnesota, you have to have a better record than them, likely, or at least a better record against the NFC. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, why am I even thinking about this? I just want them to make the damn playoffs. Never mind. You're right. <sighs> At this point, you want them. To, you want Seattle to win the division, and the best way to do that is Rams losses. So Rams, by the way, this is the Rams' upcoming schedule: at Vikings versus Saints. Yeah. At Cardinals versus Eagles, an Eagles team that's playing Seattle the week before. At Seattle, at Tennessee, home to the Niners. I mean, those are one, two, three. Four games in which they could be, well, not underdogs, but four losable games. Vikings, Saints, Eagles, yeah. Seahawks, Titans. I, I think the Vikings get a win in this game. Yeah. I'm going to take the Vikings. Their defense well. is too good. I'm I'm kind of, you know, I was kind of waffling on the Vikings. I'm I'm kind of all in on them now. But if the Rams win this game, I mean, you got to call them NFC title contenders. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's how good they are, which is crazy. Redskins Saints, sneaky good one in New Orleans. Saints seven and a half point favorite. I could see the Redskins competing in this one. They seem to play better on the road than they do at home anyway. Give me uh, New Orleans. Yeah, I'll take New Orleans too. They ran for 300 yards last week in Buffalo. Well, it's it's the Saints we all know and love. They run the ball well and play defense. I mean, it's what you, I've always associated that with the Saints. It's, in, it's been in their DNA for a decade. So They put up seven touchdowns and Breeze doesn't have one passing score. 
What is that? How does that happen? <laughs> Chiefs, Giants in New York. Chiefs, 10.5 point favorites. Taking KC. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Cardinals, Texans in Houston. Boy, kill me now. Cardinals, sure. Uh, I'm going to take the Texans. Bills, Chargers in... Uh, actually, no, I'm taking the Cardinals. Tom Savage. I'm never picking <laughs> Tom Savage. Bills, Chargers in L.A. Fighting Nathan Peterman's storing or uh, going to Los Angeles to face the Chargers. Has Tyrod Taylor been that bad? No. I don't get it. No, he has not. I don't get it. You have one bad game and you bench the guy? They're 5-4. and four. He deserves They haven't been to the playoffs in 18 years. I hope they lose. And they decide to bench Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I hope they lose, I too. I don't root for uh, Phillip Rivers that often, but uh, give me the Chargers to win, too. They're gonna, the Bills are going to regret that. I'm also picking the Chargers. Bengals, Broncos, and Denver. One of the late games. Not a good game, though. Guess I'll take Cincinnati. Okay, I'm taking the Broncos. Patriots Raiders in Oakland. Nope, sorry. This is an afternoon game in Mexico City. Estadio Azteca. Afternoon game. Patriots Raiders. Patriots. I'll take the Patriots, too. Eagles Cowboys Sunday Night Football. Philly, four and a half point home favorites. Or road favorites. Woo, four and a half point road favorites. No Zeke. Yeah, I think it's too much. Philly's going to overcome and win this game. I like Philly as well. With Zeke and their and left tackle in play, yeah, you know, I I think it'd be a really good game, but I think it's going to be a blowout. I'm seeing how well Dallas can even move the ball. The over under is 48 and a half for this game. I could see that going under. Yeah, Falcons Seahawks Seattle three point home favorite on Monday Night Football over under 44 and a half. I'll let you go first. So here's the thing. I think injuries. This game is so critical for Seattle. It's a home game against an NFC opponent. You lose two home games against NFC opponents, it's going to be really tough to overcome, at the very least to, to win your division, let alone make the playoffs, especially given the schedule that they have coming up. So this is a borderline must-win game for them. I don't think that they're going to win. I think the injuries are just too much. And defensively, yes, there are a lot of concerns there, but that's not even where I'm going with this. If Dwayne Brown can't play, I don't know how Seattle wins this game. I just don't. And the more I think about it, even if he does play, with where he's at right now health-wise, clearly the fact that he still isn't practicing and things like that, he is. and, and this is a guy, by the way, that's only been on this team several weeks. So if he can practice, he would be, you know, to, to you know keep going with continuity and things like that. Even if he does play, it's going to be a not nearly 100% healthy Dwayne Brown. And it's just not going to be enough. I don't know how Seattle... I, I know that primetime home game Seattle is so good over, you know, in the P. Carroll era. They've been so good. But this is finally when they don't catch the breaks that they have in previous Monday Night Football games and come away with a loss. And it's going to be a, a really difficult, crippling loss. Score? I'm going to say 23-17. That's a six-point game, but yeah. I I just don't see how they overcome it. I just don't, but we'll see. I uh, I agree with most everything you just said. I just, I'm going to default with primetime home. Something weird is going to happen. And Wilson plays well in those games usually. Yeah. So, in Atlanta... Still is not the team. I'm not taking much out of what they did in Dallas because Dallas without Sean Lee is not a good defense. I think Seattle channels enough 
strength to uh, to get the win. Blair Walsh wins it on field goal. I hope you're right. He looked better last week. So twenty three to twenty. Yeah. So don't take this. Don't take the Seahawks to cover. Just spare yourself. I do think it's going to be low scoring though. Forty four and a half. Twenty three twenty. Yeah. I won't put money on it, but I think it'll be under. Yeah, I agree. All right, he's Brian Perkins. We'll talk about it again on Tuesday next week. Seahawks, Falcons, Monday Night Football. This is the Game Plan Podcast, 1029thegame.com.